It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition Jay talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up on busy WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to him 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. WBZ, you are Jay talking with Live Midnight 5. We're going to be speaking with Peter Drummy, Chief. Reference librarian of the Massachusetts Historical Society on this, the anniversary of 400 years of uh, slavery in America. And if you're listening to this live, remember there will be a podcast that you can share. And if you happen to be listening on the podcast, remember that we do this live midnights on weekday midnights. Mr. Drummy, thank you very much for coming in. My pleasure to be here. Now, there's always been slaves, always, from... The dawn of man, first men enslaved women and children, right? Right. Um, there's The records go back into the very deep past, uh, literally thousands of years ago, but that's only as far back as records go. The understanding is um, in warfare, even in a very early on, um, um, people would be captured and kept as prisoners it, at first quite different from how we think about it is that you um, and uh, uh, you'd often kill all the male prisoners because they're just too much too much too risky too risky and keep um, women and children who might have the status would understand as slaves and might over time simply be encompassed into the society that took them on and then with agriculture the idea of keeping people permanently um, Captive, yeah, labor intensive, exactly. And if you were at any time throughout history on the losing end of a war, like you would end up a slave, or you could. You Rome, could. Rome had many slaves because they right and, and peoples. And- the the thing to think about is there are two really important differences. Is because these enslaved people came from everywhere in this enormous empire. They were essentially people who looked just like the Romans themselves, and then blonde-haired, blue-eyed people from the north, um, Africans, people from North Africa, people from the Middle East, people who were educated, people who were um, workers at every station, and a society that was dependent on this. This is um, pre-machinery, dependent on human labor. Um, but the two things, the, there aren't people by their appearance who are picked out to be slaves. And there also 
um, many people who are manumitted. There's not this idea that people are necessarily fixed forever as slaves. And those are two things that are quite different in the history in America that we're talking about. And before we get to the, the American version, the word slave comes from? The, the word slave, um, Romans would have said, Servus. Um, but they what the the slave comes from Slav because um, after the rise of Islam, um, people were captured and enslaved um, around and north of the Black Sea, Slavs, and um, uh, people from central northern um, Europe and taken into slavery and and were slaves from elsewhere. But so many people coming along this route that. Slav became slave, a word for so so often sometimes it would refer to the um, a different physical characteristic. So you were uh, um, like a Slav, you were a slave. Wow, and back to the Romans, the word would be what? Uh, service. Uh, Servicio? Yes, exactly that. You know, that, that idea that, and this is, this carries over into um, American history where often um, servant is used as, in some respects, a euphemism for a slave, but often people are using that word sort of inter the way we think of servant, but also th a servant for life that is a slave. All right, Peter Drummy, Chief uh, Reference Librarian over at the Massachusetts Historical Society. I walked by there the other day. There was something going on. I bet you were inside, actually. Oh yes, we afternoon. we have a we have a, a pretty active. It's a research library, so that's our main business. But we have a whole range of programs, and we're having a series of programs not about the year sixteen nineteen and the, what happened in Virginia four hundred years ago, essentially right now, but um, how this is affected all of American history since. So in this fall, we'll have a series of programs really widening this out. By the way, can you can one join the Mass Historical Society? Of or, course. Or, or, and do you need to join to go to these events? No. Most of our events are open to the public free of charge. There are a small number of events for um, directed for members. And occasionally, depending on the circumstance, there might be a small fee. But most um, yeah. events at the Massachusetts Historical Society are open to the public. I think it would be cool to belong. Yes, and and I, I don't want to understate that because uh, 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 an independent nonprofit corporation is um, dependent on its um, uh, members for the support. Do you ever have like a little parties? Oh, yes. For uh, members? Yes. That's okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. Those count, are, count that, me I in. mean, there have to be some things to keep, you know, keep people coming back. Okay. Let me ask you about the introduction of slavery to the United States in 1619 before the pilgrims showed up, which I think is significant. But there's a story, a couple of ships right, had a long and circuitous it's voyage, a, terrible voyage for the slaves. Right. I'll let you take it away. Well, this is 1619, um, the Virginia colony at Jamestown's from 1607, and it's struggling along. And it's uh, started to spread out so that there's a, a, um, a little outpost of Jamestown, which is um, uh, back away from the ocean, but at Port um, uh, Point Comfort, which is faces out on the Atlantic. And in uh, the only date we have is this happens, we know it happens after August 4th because something important in Virginia history happens on that date. And it's later in the month, 
so sometime about now, uh, 400 years ago, um, uh, first one ship um, comes in, and then a second ship a little later. But um, Is that these, the White Lion? The White Lion and the, and the Treasurer. Treasurer. Which are um, ships that um, are um, uh, for almost all of history up until just a few years ago were always identified as being Dutch. The Dutch were always said to have brought the first slaves to um, English-speaking North America. And um, it turns out these ships are both English ships, but they're both um, privateers. That's essentially licensed pirates. They're um, preying upon the um, Spanish and Portuguese in a long series of wars. Um, and they have, these two ships acting together have captured a Portuguese a slave ship um, which is bringing slaves to uh, the Spanish colonies, colony of Mexico. So they're both English ships with Englishmen aboard working for, for the, the Dutch government because they have at least one of the ships has a letter of mark. mark. They both have letter of mark okay. from different governments, but one of them has letter of mark from okay. the Dutch. So it wasn't it wasn't Dutch people no. that did it. It was English people. English people. Okay. And so so they have these two ships have um, captured a Portuguese slave ship um, off of Mexico, a ship that had uh, sailed from um, what's today Angola um, in um, southwest Africa, carrying 350 slaves um, to um, work in Mexico. Um, and uh, about a third of the people have died during the course of the voyage, which is a high number, but the kind of scale of loss, just getting people to America. So they've taken um, slaves off of these um, uh, this slave ship, and they've brought them to Virginia because they need um, food and supplies before they return to England, and they're going to essentially exchange the slaves they have for food and supplies. And there are only how many now, like 200 now? Oh no, no! They've only brought a small number. So okay. the 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 White Lion has twenty and some odd. That's how it's described. Okay. In the record. So they left a lot of them in yes, Mexico go. Yeah, or over yeah, that area. They dropped them off they in took, Mexico, or, or they took the they took the ones that they could carry because these were not ships. Okay, they didn't up, have room room for them. So the the White Lion brings um, uh, uh, slaves, the first slaves to come in August of 1619. The treasurer comes a little bit later, and that's a complicated, a little more complicated story um, because they don't think it's um, a letter of mark, it's license to capture Spanish and Portuguese um, ships as any good. So it sails off to Bermuda, which has been settled by this time, um, and um, already has, there are already some slaves on Bermuda. And if you think Bermuda is part of North America, you could say, well, that's where slavery is. Right. But we'll skip that. So the, the treasurer goes to Bermuda and it exchanges the slave, this, about an equal number of slaves um, for um, 50,000 ears of corn. That's their swamp. Then that ship comes back to Virginia and um, and actually it's in such poor condition that it sinks there and it's never used again. So this is essentially almost accidental. It's like capture some 
people, some um, human property during the course of a privateering expedition, exchange them for food. Um, no one in Virginia is necessarily looking for slaves, but they're happy to um, have them and take them in. And um, and at the same time, there are a small number of people coming in different voyages um, there. Um, but really, this is a very sm slow start that it's not the idea it'll be this. Key question. Are yep. you saying that you feel, or do they say that they feel, they being everybody, you know, the, the folks who think about these things, yep. that if this accident had not happened, then slavery may never have taken a foothold in what is now America, or was it bound to happen anyway? I think almost everybody would say it was bound to happen everywhere okay. anyway. And what it means, all it means is that this is 1619, this early start, and it's about 50 years later that this starts becoming something that we recognize, something on a very large scale and changes really the whole character of life, and at least in the American South, if not in all of the American colonies. All right. Now, we spoke before the break about the reason for this i mean it's commerce and sugar factors heavily into that even in the united even in what became the united states sugar because i know that there was we we were involved in a sort of three-way thing up in boston right but we we made the rum right right and we needed the sugar to do that right and so so there are slavery everywhere from canada to Chile at the far end of South America. There's slavery everywhere in the Americas over the course of, uh, say, in the, in the Portuguese colony in Brazil and in uh, Spanish um, America. There's slavery going back to the uh, 1500s. In fact, there, there certainly were, if you think of the present-day United States, there were certainly slaves in Spanish Florida before there were in Virginia. So, this, you know, going back maybe 50 or 60 years earlier. So, but if we keep with the story, it's really the case that um, the small-scale slavery there are this, um, is um, that you find in the northern part of um, the North American colonies um, is there are, there are people, slaves here in New England, but really the importance of slavery here is all the things that the sugar colonies need, they make or produce here and then send here to the West Indies. Um, the same thing happens um, elsewhere um, as well, but it's the commerce here is so dependent on this. We think of this triangular trade. There's very few voyages where people are making all of those legs. Mostly it's direct sailing from here in Boston where we are or here in North America to Africa and then often to the West Indies or other places in the Americas rather than coming. Um, so, so the ship may sail and um, three legs are just back and forth carrying things that have come from the West Indies or a separate shipment to the West Indies. But the idea that we're connected to this great scheme. Yeah, the ships may not have been triangular, right, but, the, but the, the commerce, commerce is, is exactly so. Okay. 
It's important to talk about the conditions on the ships. It's important for everybody, for everyone to understand how horrifically barbaric they were. It's tough to even imagine. Imagine this. One is that the first thing that it's really important is to think of the scale of this. We're talking from uh, the early part of the 16th century, the early 1500s, very soon after Columbus. We're talking about till the last voyages after the American Civil War, where there's still slavery in Cuba and in um, and in Brazil. Um, we're talking about the movement of uh, 12 and a half million people. That's the current estimate leaving West Africa and some from East Africa, and about 10 million of them surviving to arrive in the Americas. So this scale of loss of life is gigantic, and it's thousands of voyages with hundreds of people crammed into um, a small sailing ships. Um, the, it's sort of a race. Get the most people aboard. Um, go as quickly as you can to the new world. Um, and With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And, um, there's a kind of calculation of how much um, space and food and water do you provide um, versus expected deaths. Death. And, and and this is a da- this is dangerous under the best of circumstances, dangerous to the crews of the ships, dangerous um, um, all the things that can happen on uh, on voyages. Nevertheless, this is something that you have to think of um, the worst atrocities of the twentieth century to think of anything in the scale of the horror. Of yeah, it. it's like. Life in a concentration camp on a ship. I, I, I think some, that's a, that's a really good analogy. I, I remember in Auschwitz there were certain, certain things they did to people that, that are analogous. For example, each person only got four square feet. Yes, that's right. You were you were you were lying all the time with a very low overhead, so you could be stacked up in rows, and essentially uh, either lying head to foot, so you'd get close packed close together or spooned together where you'd be um, a simply kind of right up against the person. Right. And this is for months. Certainly no shower. Oh, uh, sanitary facilities, nil. Very you're, occasionally. You're in your own filth. Yeah, very occasionally disease. taken on deck um, to simply um, expose people to fresh air. But uh, um, all the disease, um, uh, and this is, you know, this is largely men, 
but there are women and children in all of these many, um, most of these voyages, and just a terrible consequence um, of this. And this is how people are starting their lives is mostly essentially people who are captured or kidnapped and uh, taken away from home. And then um, this is the this is the first step in this kind of life that people are going to leave. Suicide must have been a, th- a problem. Well, I think partly you chain people up to keep them from rebelling or getting away, but I think probably to keep people from killing themselves as well. Uh, we were talking about how horrific the conditions were in the ships and brought the folks over, and I couldn't imagine anyone would want to go on living in those conditions. It would be better to die. And I think, why, why didn't people kill themselves? Maybe they did, but... I wanted to check and see if many of them were Christian. And, of course, part of the Christian doctrine is it's a sin to kill yourself. And one of the reasons why that's in the doctrine is because it might have been utilitarian to keep slaves from killing themselves. Is that potentially a thing? I think that there's there's this uh, idea that um, the people who were— Enslaving Africans had this idea that they were they were at, they were sort of making exchange. They were um, possessing people's bodies and and uh, keeping them uh, um, working throughout their entire lives and keeping all of their descendants in this perpetual state of slavery. But in exchange, they were saving their souls by making so them. So they Christians. really justified it. With it? Is that how they justified slavery? They they felt okay about. Kidnapping these people because, you know, you're really going to be a winner in the end because you're going to be a Christian. I think if there's a justification part of it. There's another part of it that um, um, there's a kind of um, one thing that makes this slavery different from this um, something that's occurred everywhere in the world over all of recorded history is the racial aspect of this, that that there's this idea that— um, uh, the um, um, black people from sub-Saharan Africa are either different qualitatively in a way, or um, are it's you're saving them not only their souls by um, uh, through Christianity, but you're also saving some people from this land of darkness and all that goes with it. That there's um, a a racial aspect of this that's that it predates um, uh, the transportation of people um, to uh, the New World. And in other parts of Europe, there is a strong idea that, um, that um, Christians should never be enslaved, that that's a, a, a boundary between you, you enslave the other, but not people like yourselves are co-religionists. And that's a dilemma that people um, faced in the English colonies, and they soon overcame it. They managed to m- move in that direction of um, that you could um, someone could um, be baptized, could become a Christian, but remain a slave throughout. This is a life. dense topic, and I need to ask you, just so I know how to proceed and how quickly sure. to proceed. If you can stay longer, if you cannot, I'll, I'll go more quickly. If you can, I'll stay detailed. No, it can go as long as. All right, because uh, we're not even close to being done here. Next, the slaves arrived on the shore. What could they expect? 
where they herd it into pens and how did they get allocated? Is this the, where you had the auction right then? Right. It's it's um early on in America there is um uh it, it's much less formal. That you don't have what you have um in where this is a much larger scale in the West Indies or in um, Brazil or um, where where this is almost industrial in scale. Here um, in Virginia, often um, where rivers lead up into the interior of Virginia, often they would arrange for some uh, local planter or agent to um, uh, examine the slaves on board ship and then arrange for sale in that region. But they haven't um, become... Industrialized to the point, like a stockyard. Yes, the, the, the barracoon, which is this term used in, um, in uh, Spanish America and Portuguese America, where there's essentially this um, open um, air prison where slaves are kept and then auctioned off systematically. This is um, uh, goes on, and and it's simply the the numbers are so much larger in here. Remember that. Um, uh, all the numbers are enormous when we think of it. It's several hundred thousand people coming as slaves to North America, and millions of people going to the West Indies and Brazil. And then um, later on, even in America, the, where we associate slave auctions, where people being uh, individuals or families being auctioned off, that's part of an internal movement of slaves that in the American South in the 18th and 19th century as um, the cotton-growing area from Georgia West opens up. Then slaves are transported for the from the old heartland of slavery in Virginia and the Carolinas into the interior, sometimes by ship but often overland. And that's that internal uh, movement of slaves where you get um, auctions um, taking place of people being um, uh, uh, put on a block and sort of um, uh, fingered and prodded and sort of uh, advertised. Right, as- checker, you know, checker teeth. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, this is a good point Point to probably let you know about this animated mo- film. It's maybe three minutes. If that. Called Bid Him In, and it's shockingly efficient at, you, you will be taken aback. It's efficient at, giving you an, ink, an inkling, reminding you just what happened at, the, at a slave auction and how horrible it is. It's three minutes, bid them in, B-I-D-E-M-I-N. Go w- watch it right now. Next, 1705, up till about 1705. It's kind of fuzzy, the whole slave thing ambiguous but there were some actual laws the racial integrity laws which kind of institutionalized slavery became official yes and and this is uh, there are two things going on there's um this these are all um english colonies so there's at once there's uh, the the royal government in England and its agents here in America and the royal governors. And there's also, um, um, at this time, there's uh, the Royal African Company. There is an attempt by the um, uh, government in England to um, have a monopoly where a, 
uh, a chartered company represents um, England in the slave trade. And um, entrepreneurs here in um, uh, colonial America um, tried to get around that, both going around it so that um, engaging in the slave trade, but also not going outside of the English colonial system. So um, uh, slave voyages from um, New England or North America would bring slaves back to North America, but often would bring slaves to the West Indies or bring slaves to Portuguese and Spanish um, uh, colonies as well. That is, um, see this as being sort of entrepreneurial business. Um, and so at the same time, um, because the, um, the status of people who came from Africa at the very beginning is ambiguous, that is that there isn't settled government um, in the colonies yet, um, over the course of the 17th century and then leading up and early in the 18th century, there's more and more rigid control through law of um, behavior, all the things that sort of essentially um, um, put the force of law behind- Standardized- Exactly. Punishments and things and like things that. like that. And all, all in the way of regulating um, um, this both traffic in slaves, but also, and none of this essentially um, protecting the people here. This is all to protect the rights or circumstances of the owner. Right. Nothing, um, of course, to protect the people, and, and 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 often to and often and uh, um, often drawing upon the sort of tradition that um, uh, that um, uh, no uh, no owner master could be accused of murdering a slave because this is, after all, someone who would be um, uh, um, uh, destroying his own property. Right. So you get all that codified, codified. yeah, in protection okay. essentially. How? Wouldn't it have been easier to enslave Native Americans? There, there's a lot of argument that here in New England, this is where this starts. That the 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 first enslaved people here are not Africans, but in fact uh, Native Americans. And some of this is um, war prisoners. Um, this conflict between um, white settlers and Native Americans. Um, there, there are two things that go on. One is. Um, uh, there is this um, catastrophic decline in the population of uh, American Indians, Native Americans living here at the time of European contact. They're vulnerable to a whole range of diseases that come with people from Europe, uh, things like smallpox, but even things like measles and malaria and a whole range of diseases. So they're simply, there's this great loss of life that don't make them available um, to it. There's also this idea that um, there are people who don't um, stand up to the harsh circumstances as, as well, are more resistant. So what happens is the first slaves here in, um, African slaves here in um, New England are people who come in exchange for Native American prisoners of war who are sent to the West Indies. So it's essentially send prisoners away from here, an even worse punishment than being enslaved, um, 
transported to a distant land mm. and bring people from the West Indies who there was this idea of seasoning that people who had been exposed to these um, diseases would um, lived under the harsh conditions in the West Indies would make um, more. I see. So they're know, they're better. African slaves were more hardy when it came to resisting our diseases. In some respects, yes. And okay. and 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 people who had been in the West Indies and were being transported, they had been exposed to these diseases already. Were there any slave rebellions? Yes, many. Um, there's um, some estimates that as there were there were a large number of. Um, uh, mutinies on these slave ships, usually in African waters, usually right at the beginning of these voyages. But still People had the energy. They had the energy. Also, you know, there were enough within, of them within sight of land. Oh yeah, you know all those things. But but um, uh, <clears throat> so slave ships had to carry larger crews and be heavily armed, not to fend off attackers from outside, but to defend against uprising from within. And then there's a whole range of resistance, including um, real rebellions. And of course, um, there's um, a turning point in the history of um, slavery in the Americas, which is the um, rebellion that takes place in Haiti, the successful overthrow of one of the harshest and largest um, slave enterprises, Saint Domingue, the most valuable colony of France. Um, the slaves r rise up, and there's a true Spartacus in this story. The um, Toussaint Louverture, who's the person who leads this um, uh, rebellion. Back to the slave ship rebellions, the mutinies. So, if there if there were room for 350 on As, slaves. How many crew would there be? Not that many, right? No, like, not not like, anything like, like that many. But yeah, maybe in that sort of scale. But that would be a big crew for a, a merchant ship at that time. Yeah. So so more a larger crew than would otherwise be on a ship of the same size, but also a ship that was carrying its perhaps as a cannon not pointing outwards, yeah. but pointing towards the hold of the ship. You know that that this is uh, and and. Making sure that people were in, in chains, literally. Right. So you probably all kept the, the door, the hatch closed all the time. Because yes. You didn't, if if a lot of people, a lot of slaves got on deck. Yes, If it were open, right. you could be overwhelmed. Well, the most famous of these is in a small ship, and it's only carrying um, slaves from one port to another in Cuba. But that's the Amistad Rebellion. Let's take a break and continue. Peter Dummy on WBZ. We keep losing the radio. What's it look like? A radio? What? That's so big, green with numbers, lots of knobs. We'll have the radio blast and tune in Bradley J on BZ till dawn. Bradley J. J talking. WBZ News Radio 1030. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Would you put the radio on? Sure. I'm coming up to talk. He wants to talk. Let's see what he has to say. Let's turn into a radio show. It's a beautiful night. Oh, what a night. 
Jay talking with Bradley Jay. There's no wrong in him. WBZ News Radio 1030. It's WBZ. Um, I guess I'm going to stay in chron- chronological order. So I'll skip, skip the question. So the Civil War was a war that had to be fought at some point? Question mark. I'll save that to stay chronologically cool. Let's take a look at the Declaration of Independence and all the debates over that and how slavery factored in there. Okay, okay. the, the declar- a big one. Yeah, the Declaration of Independence, and this is written by a committee. It's a pretty impressive committee. Uh, it's fair to say Thomas Jefferson from Virginia is the principal author, but Benjamin Franklin and John Adams both serve in this committee as well. But in the draft of the Declaration of Independence, as Jefferson wrote it, there is a strong attack on the slave trade, not on slavery specifically, but on um, the slave trade. Uh, it, I'm paraphrasing this, but it, it reads, um, he, meaning the king of England, um, as authorizing, and um, the slave trade had been a English trade monopoly at one point, a royal monopoly, the Royal African Company. But... Um, it it this this list of criticisms of the king and one is he has waged cruel war on human nature itself, captivating a distant people and it goes on to say how these are people who never did anything to harm them but he's cruelly taken them his agents um, from a distant land and transported them so into America so, so this so blaming the king for that makes it sound like that it will stop when the country begins. Yes, that's right. I mean, and 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 and, uh, and and remember the and uh, as we were saying, the um, at the time of the Declaration of Independence, these are separate colonies who are coming together to uh, declare their independence from England, but they all are different with different uh, points of view um, and different interests. So um, there is no good detailed record, but this. Um, this paragraph, this long paragraph in the Declaration of Independence is, um, as Abigail Adams says, expunged from it. That is, um, this was simply not a subject that um, many of the representatives of uh, in the um, Continental Congress wanted to deal with. Well, they knew it would never fly, right? Well, they, uh, they, it was clear that places um, – uh, um, Forty percent of the population of Virginia at that time might have been enslaved right. people. Probably the majority of people living in South Carolina were slaves at that time. That this is a, a slave society in many of these colonies. That um, uh, there is slavery in all the colonies, but in many of them, this is simply the the life. So they were not going to a place. They were not people who necessarily their, believed that the slave trade was bad. Their entire economy was based on, on slave it. trade. And, and if, if anything, there probably were people who wanted to expand upon that. So so that the Declaration of Independence puts that aside. Although it keeps this, um, it keeps this rhetoric that um, what's going to happen to Americans in general, the general population, is going to be enslaved by the burdens of royal government. Remember, at the time of the Declaration of Independence, 20% of the population of the colonies are slaves. 
that's uh, of about two and a half million people living in the uh, 13 colonies, about 500,000 are slaves. That's amazing. Two and a half million people. That's like maybe two greater Bostons in the entire country. Yeah, that's right. But 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 it's like um, uh, Boston itself on that scale being the, the city itself being entirely made up of enslaved people. There's, right. a, there's a small number of uh, free black people by this time, but this is a very small part of the – this is essentially um, if you're an, um, from Africa or descendant from people from Africa, Africa you're a uh, slave for life as are your descendants. What at some point slaves count as half a person? Three fifths in, in three fifths in voting. Can you talk? No, yeah. This we is we got three minutes to talk about that. Okay, this is the in the Constitution as part of one of and in, in drafting the Constitution as a compromise um, between um, the um, idea of um, representatives and the House of Representatives representing the. The, uh, the the general population and senators being two from each state, so large states or small states have the same number of senators. The idea was that uh, people uh, people quickly saw that a state like Virginia, with a very large a very large state, anyways, but with a very large um, slave population, would be sort of like that that have representatives representing people who had no say in what was right. happening so the compromise they reached and this is this is a document that never uses the word slave in it it's always such people as or these mm -hmm. euphemisms but the the compromise they reach is that the enslaved population will be count as three-fifths of people so that they'll There'll be some additional representation, yeah. but not full representation. So Virginia and places like that would have been underrepresented, underrepresented if, if, if for the total so many population down there had zero vote. Yeah, that's right. But they'd be they'd be um, underrepresented if it was zero. Well, it, would it be you know like um, if if Thomas Jefferson is voting on behalf of one hundred and thirty or one hundred and fifty people living at Monticello who have no say in this? Does he get? Um, one vote or 150 votes or three-fifths of that does he get 75 you right. know like I mean how do you calculate that sort of um, representation but that's where the three-fifths compromise is we're talking about the 400th anniversary August this August now of the introduction of slavery to the Americas or to North America and before we we got as far as the Declaration of Independence and the, how that factored into that. And we're going to continue along. But quick, quickly jumping back, we know when, just within a month or so, when the first slaves arrived because of an event, and we kind of skipped over what that event was, and it's a pretty interesting and crucial event. Can you explain what that is? Right. This is... Um Early in August of um, 1619, on August 4th, the, um, uh, the, for the first time, a representative legislature um, met in an American colony. So you have um, 
essentially, this is not a democratic government in any way, but it means that people represent different communities in uh, Virginia are meeting together um, in Jamestown. And this is just weeks before the arrival of the first slaves in Virginia. So you have these two threads of American history sort of at the same place at a at the same moment, the beginnings, the very first beginnings of it leads through the Declaration of Independence and on through to the country in terms of government we live in. And then at the same time, this sort of um, uh, this country built upon slavery, essentially. And, uh, and I think that's a fair description of it, where it begins. This is it, Jamestown? At Jamestown. Is Jamestown the, the settlement that just went away? No, that that's, was Roanoke. That's Roanoke. That's a little bit earlier. That's um, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh. That's at the um, uh, end of the previous century in the uh, in the fifteen uh, hundreds. At the end in of fifteen ninety five or something. Yeah, yeah, like that, right there. And and that's one of those wonderful mystery stories. Is that that they that they try to move away and disappear? You know what happened? Um, uh, uh, they were they were out of communication with England for an extended period, and by the time that they the next expedition got there, there was no sign of anyone. The lost colony. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now uh, on slavery, we get to where we we finished up with the Declaration of Independence, and does the Constitution? Do we have to involve the Constitution here? Uh, at, at, the Constitution is um, essentially um, because it's a compromise between um, states where slavery is more important. It's it's where slavery is never explicitly mentioned, but it is embedded in it. It's sort of the the federal constitution is essentially through the beginnings of the United States, essentially works to protect slavery, makes it very difficult for um, uh, any uh, national changes to take place. On the state level, the states in the north, one after the other, um, either – um, by uh, legal action, like in Massachusetts during the American Revolution, or by gradual emancipation, um, one after the other, the northern states move away from slavery. Okay, so as you move into through the War of eighteen twelve, and then the de- decades, nothing really changes, right? Oh no! It, it, actually, there's a dramatic change. Is that um, one thing to remember is about um, slavery in the United States, and by this time we're talking about the United States. The United States um, is um, uh, uh, a peculiar um, circumstance in terms of the worldwide or the slavery in Americas. Only three or four percent of all the slaves who come from Africa come to North America, but North America is almost the only place where. The, there's a natural increase in population. So this several hundred thousand people who come here from, uh, uh, from Jamestown through um, uh, the end of um, uh, the legal importation of slaves into the United States in 1808, um, the end of the slave trade in England and America that year, um, uh, um, in that period, these um, – uh, these several hundred thousand slaves, their descendants, 
the uh, uh, multiply so that by the time of the American Civil War, when the population of the United States is about 31 million, there were 4 million slaves living in the United States. Um, so several hundred thousand has become uh, uh, 500,000 at the time of the revolution and 4 million at the time of the American Civil War. And the 40 plus million African Americans um, almost all trace their ancestry back to this relatively small group. So that's something that this population, slavery becomes very successful when cotton um, uh, becomes this really important agricultural crop. It's not the same as sugar. It doesn't have that same power that of driving the world economy. But um, by the time of the American Civil War, these four million enslaved people, their value as human property is greater than all the agricultural. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No and all the industry, they're the real giant value of um, business in the United States, agribusiness. So, someone born to a slave is a slave. Someone born whose mother is a slave is a slave. Okay. So did the slave owners encourage slaves to have children because automatically you have another slave, right? Yes. And, and they did. There's a, there are two parts of this. One is you get someone like – and this again, Thomas Jefferson writes about this. He writes um, to the person who's overseeing, overseeing his agricultural um, enterprise – and says and this is late in his life, but says essentially, um, in terms of, and this is on, and and in a time where um, uh, uh, gender roles are stereotyped that men do some things and women do other things, in slavery everybody works, everybody works in agriculture. There isn't this division of roles that uh, uh, clear cut as there is elsewhere. But um, uh, Jefferson says, you know, essentially he writes to the person supervising um, his enterprise and says, remember, you know, in terms of thinking about the work they do and their um, circumstance that the, um, I'm paraphrasing again, the woman of, um, childbearing age are the most valuable property we have. And I think he's implicitly talking about their offspring. Right. So whether this is some sort of enterprise to breed people right. or simply understanding that um, all of these children born to women who are enslaved are human property and multiplies. Okay. Then – I guess that brings us to the Civil War and the statement I made, which is not necessarily true, and you'll answer it, it after this. The Civil War is a war that just had to be fought at some point because it was an unanswered question, and it was a tension. And at some point, I mean, it didn't get dealt with initially. It had to be dealt with at some point before the country could move on 
And I made that statement. And you said, well, maybe not. Well, let me just give you one example of how things could have been different. And that is, um, if you look at uh, slavery in the British Empire um, uh, ended peacefully without rebellion, um, the um, anti-slavery movement um, became strong in England, and essentially um, uh, the importance of the sugar colonies lessened, so there was less financial importance attached to it. Nevertheless, the British Empire paid by the standards of the 19th century an enormous amount of money, 20 million pounds, which would be $100 million, to free 800,000 slaves in the West, as principally in the West Indies. By not, they didn't get anything except their freedom, but buying them right. out. Um, so in Britain, the financial need for slaves must have gone away because there would have been more pushback on ending slavery. Well, it certainly was reduced. It had been reduced. What happened is um, they started planting sugar beets around the, you know, that sugar, sugar still remained important, but there were other ways to do it. There were other places doing it. But what's uh, the other thing that happened that's really important in this story is um, the British didn't just end slavery in their own colonies. That while um, different countries had abandoned the slave trade, the British really went at stopping it entirely. I mean, they essentially went outside what was international law to stop slave ships, seize them. The United States did that too, but whereas the United States captured about 50 or 60 slave ships over 50 years, British captured certainly more than a thousand, freed hundreds of thousands of slaves. Um, so anyways, this is a long way of saying there is another way forward and it's very different and maybe this would not have worked because within the United States, the circumstance, seem, it seems almost impossible to see how um, there wouldn't have been a conflict. But I think it's important to say nothing is written in the sense not there's no there's no essential inevitability um i i believe to these sort of things so the civil war there's the emancipation proclamation there's the civil war and then we get to after the civil war and the slaves are freed but they're kind of freed in name only right what what kind of well life there, do you have? there's a there's a period of reconstruction from um the end of the Civil War through the 1870s, where there, I, I don't think we should understate how much effort went into making a, a reasonably egalitarian society. And um, black people were elected to the Senate and the House of Representatives, held um, significant positions in the South. There were many places in the South where at least within congressional districts, there was a majority black population. Um, this is only men voting, but um, um, the uh, uh, 14th, the 13th Amendment ending slavery and then the 14th and 15th Amendment um, guaranteeing that people, uh, black people were citizens and then the 15th Amendment protecting civil rights. These are really important in um, – um, and that they didn't succeed and that they ultimately failed. And I don't think we'd 
ever want to say there was a time worse than slavery, but at the end of the 19th century, there had been such a reversion to There'd this. been a backslide, the Jim Crow laws. Uh, in an extraordinary way. I don't think people understand, uh, generally understand how harsh and um, backsliding this had really become and how high up and within the uh, national government this extended, that this wasn't sort of, we think of Southern resistance, but this, you know, um, um, is top to bottom. And, to and some the, Jim, extent. the Jim Crow laws or their effects go all the way up to the fifth, the mid-19th century. 20th century. 20th century, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I just want to make sure. Yeah, they, they start. Um, actually, there were Jim Crow laws back before the Civil War. Here in Massachusetts is where Jim Crow cars on trains, that is, uh, black and white segregation and trains um, here in Massachusetts. Briefly only, but nevertheless, that's where this term is first used. But where we're talking about is separate but equal, really um, being fixed in law by um, uh, the decision of the Supreme Court in the 1890s, but long existing already and then carrying forward um, uh, um, through the middle of the 20th century. Real quick, Jim Crow, where's that word come from? That word comes from um, people acting the part of the sort of caricature um from a, a play or something? Yes, that's right. A theatrical presentation of uh, um, uh, this sort of um, uh, um, these sort of racial stereotype mm -hmm. um, uh, characterization. Okay, the remaining time. Let's talk about the the well, the anniversary. Not really a celebration, but the the marking of this. What's what's being done to uh, mark this? Well, well, Virginia is doing a lot, and Virginia is trying to make this point that there are these two things, this beginning of uh, representative government, that, that these two events are and, – and, and that's admirable, and, and they're, they're, uh, they're addressing both, both of these things, and they're not looking away from the role of slavery there. Um, um, here, the Massachusetts Historical Society, we're doing a series of programs in the fall – that are not focusing on uh, uh, 1619, uh, slavery, uh, Africans uh, introduced as slaves into Massachusetts in 1638. Um, um, but um, uh, what we are doing is looking at all of the ways that this is still with us long after the end of um, uh, legal slavery, this um, racial prejudice and this sort of stereotyping and the consequences of it. Um, I think uh, uh, today um, the, the, the New York Times had a series of essays in it which are make interesting reading where people address different things where you don't think about them having a connection with 1619, <clears throat> but how um, uh, 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 scientific racism in the uh, 19th century, this idea that um, there might that uh, black people might have a different um, biological origin. They might be actually different as a species from uh, white people, the sort of how the, how the consequence of that carries forward in medicine um, and um, 
um, ideas about um, different people by um, race um, being susceptible or suffering from different um, diseases, things like that. Is it possible? I, so we're basically down. I have three minutes. Sure. Yep. To have what I think is a fun question. Fun? <laughs> is it possible for someone to trace... Let me go the other way. Would the offspring of the 20 original slaves be able to trace their origin back to those? Do we have the technology to do that now? I, I think we're, we're whether we can or not will be, you know, the, I, think, I think there's probably now evidence, both historical records because of the survey of um, slave trade voyages because of the studying ancestor search studies that have been made that give people an idea that they have ancestors from a locality in um, a certain part of Africa. I, one of the things we, I think that will come out of this close look is and I um, when we say people, we wouldn't necessarily say people came from Europe, you know, would think of people came from Sweden or they came from Ireland or they came right. from Spain. I think that it, we are going to come to this time where we're going to say that people are from uh, Southwest, that, that is present-day Angola or Gambia or Nigeria. Um, and because these ports where people sail from are identifiable, um, this is a, a long-winded way of using up your three minutes, but we're much closer to that than I think people would have thought was possible even a very short time so ago. So the only way you can do it is by, by being specific about, you know the origin of the slave, and you can now you can be very specific, specific about your origin, and so you'd have a pretty high degree of likelihood if- Well, some people are going to be. I think, I think for the, and this is another aspect that's, that's come up, is some people are saying, you know, as black Americans, we're authentically American, that we're kind of born here, Yeah, African-Americans, Afro-Americans. 1619 is one yeah. year earlier than 1620. Yeah, that's right. All right, thank you very much. Perfect timing <laughs> by about half an hour. <laughs> Peter Drummy, Chief Reference Librarian of my new group, the Massachusetts Historical Society. Thank you so much, and thanks even more for staying extra innings. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Peter. My pleasure. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.